Will more than two banks fail? Is it time to buy gold? Recently, the FDIC took over two banks that were in trouble. Now we have reports that an additional 20 regional banks have in excess of $650 billion in bond losses. The Fed admits that their increase in interest rates have done little to bring inflation under control. They may well increase the amount and frequency of interest rates. Isn't it time to consider gold in your portfolio? From January 1st, 2023 to today, the price of gold is up twice as much as the S&P 500. Go to blacksandwhites.us, click on the gold bar, and reach out to Advisors Metals and ask Ira, is gold right for you? Call now. It's important. Welcome to Black and White, a conversation with Dan Perkins. It's time to bring all of us together to talk about the issues that concern us. It's time to hear from people who want to deal with only the facts. And it's time for you as Americans to re-engage in your right of freedom of speech. It's time for you to join me in the conversation on Blacks and Whites. Welcome back to Black and White. And joining us today is Lee Bortons who is the founder and chief visionary officer of Classical Conversations, which supports classical Christian homeschoolers in all 50 states and in 30 foreign countries. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on, Dan. I have to start off by saying that those that's an impressive introduction. How did you start? What, what, what made you decide you needed to do this? So I have been a freedom maximalist, maximalist since I was 12 years old. I've just been driven by liberty and freedom for a really long time. And when my uh, husband and I became pregnant with our firstborn, um, neither of us wanted him to go to a public school. And serendipitously, this was back in 1983, I learned about homeschooling, came home, told my husband, I think we should homeschool our kids. That's all I said. And he said, thank God, because I was never going to send him to school. And so it's nice to know there's an alternative. So we just have been in it as a couple from the very beginning and have homeschooled all four of our sons. And I'm a grandmother now and they're all grown. And so sometimes it's a good question to ask, why do I continue promoting homeschooling? But let me go back to your original question. So when our oldest was around 12 years old, a lot of his friends who were homeschooled, their parents began to lose confidence in what they were doing and started looking to put their children into school programs, uh, particularly public school, of course. And so I was like, okay, gals, let's not do that. You've worked so hard to build such a good foundation. I know you're nervous about physics and Latin and calculus and all those high school subjects. Uh, let's stop doing loan school and let's homeschool together. So we had 11 students and a handful of mothers the first year. Uh, it is not a drop-off program. It is designed for the entire family because we were trying to help one another as the parents know how to give our children a classical Christian education through high school. But the Lord's always very good to us. And so a couple of years into doing this, all of us got pregnant. And that couple of years of classical homeschooling one day a week together made us see a lot of things we could have done better with our children from the beginning that nobody had told us. You can remember this is back in the 90s, right, when there was not as nearly as much help as there is now in homeschooling. So we put together a program that would prepare our babies for when they were becoming young adults. And so that was in uh, 2001, I'm sorry. So 1997, we started with our older high school children. By 2001, we had a program that was kindergarten through high school. 
And uh, we had 300 students on the waiting list at that point. Our reputation for how well we were doing, because our oldest ones were now graduating and going to college with scholarships and our community was like, what are you doing? So my husband quit work. He saw the opportunity and he has not returned to, uh, as an employee elsewhere. And he and I started classical conversations. So we began with those 11 students, got to 300 really quickly. And uh, as of this year, we have 130,000 enrolled children, which represents about 60,000 families across the United States and 2,700 plus churches who sponsor us. So if you put us all together, we would be the 20th largest unified school district in the United States, if you wanted to use those terms. And I think a lot of people aren't aware as to how influential homeschoolers are in curriculum development, in um, civics, in church, in all the various uh, extensions of society beyond the family. And so I just share that number with people because I think it gives them a perspective like, wow, there's a lot of you. And that's just in my program. There's hundreds of programs. There's millions and millions of homeschoolers working together. Uh, you know, very few homeschoolers who are successful do it all by themselves. We don't bring school home. That's very different from what we actually do. We homeschool. And so we're here to help people who are interested in a Christian classical education that is united around the family. And like you uh, said in your, in your opening, we're actually in 50 some countries at this point. So I, I have to ask this question. Um, when I was growing up, I'm 77 years of age. Uh, I went to a Catholic school, a Catholic yeah. elementary school and a Catholic high school. And um, there wasn't much homeschooling going on. And, and as I grew and matured and went into the business world and got married and started having children, we chose not to go into the Catholic or the public school, but put our children in uh, class, classic Catholic education. But I always wondered um, if somebody's gonna stay home to teach the child or children, they don't have time for a full-time job. At least I don't think so. I didn't think so at the, the time. With your commitment to this education system, what are some of the sacrifices that you and your husband had to make in order to bring this about? Well, thank you for asking it that way. You know, um, Every, every mom and dad makes sacrifices, no matter what it is they do with their children. And so for us, the one thing like I really like to clear up is I've almost always been a working mom. It's just both my husband and I chose to do to have um, employment that was flexible or part time. We worked as a pair. You know, a lot of folks like think that you have to have someone stay home. And that's just not true. If you were to ask 200 homeschooling uh, moms at a conference to raise their hand of how many of them actually work at least part-time, almost all of them would do so. So what you end up doing is recognizing, like I said before, if you're not bringing school home, that is super time intensive and children are already intensive, take an intense amount of time as it is. What I say um, homeschooling is, is you go about your day, building your family, building your marriage, building your businesses, building your church, building your community, building your government, but you do it with your children at your feet. 
because you want them to be adults who know how to do those things too. And in the process of doing that, because you love them, you teach them construction skills or social skills. You teach them how to read and write and do arithmetic. And because we're commanded by the Lord to go into Samaria and the world beyond, you teach them foreign languages. We do these things because we love our children, not because there's some state paradigm of education designed so that we can, um, you know, uh, diminish the family. That's not what we're about. We don't bring school home. Uh, people who do bring school home get burnt out and they stop homeschooling. So that's kind of like my favorite message to talk about is probably what you think we do isn't what no what isn't what anybody really does for most of the days. But if of the if year. I if I just listen to the word mm -hmm. homeschooling, mm -hmm. how do you not bring school home? Uh -huh. So that doesn't mean we don't have like a math textbook or a Latin textbook, logic textbooks, but let me just describe a typical day with my four children. So we would get up in the morning and have our devotions, and then we would do our math lesson because those were our two most important things to my husband and I. So the devotions we did in bed, there was no, you know, we just read books together. Math we did at the table with textbooks. And then we did the chores around the house. And then in the evening, because we didn't have a TV and because we value learning so much, we would spend two to three hours a night reading books together and separately. If you read that much together as a child and you know, like six, seven, eight-year-olds with your parents, you're gonna study everything there is to study because that's a lot of reading. So then what would happen is we'd have good conversations around those books, or the next day we'd write papers about the books, we'd go do research projects, field trips, whatever we were inspired to do. So what happens with classical conversations is parents aren't really sure how to do what I just described. So classical conversations runs one day a week for half the year, where parents get to practice making academics a natural part of their lifelong learning and, a and parts of their conversations that they have with their children, as well as learning how to self-assess and to progress through academics. And then the other half of the year, we don't meet. So we have time for more delight-directed education or education where maybe our children have a special need, or maybe that child turned five and they need phonics and that's a more one-on-one -on -one time. Uh, you might have a high school student who needs to have you directing them towards a little more trigonometry or calculus. So because we don't have this vision of waking up nine to five with our kids doing school all that time, like a school system does, we find different ways to balance it so that we can work with all our children all at the same time. And we just love life with them. I, I um... I, I write a lot about this uh, subject matter you're talking about uh, and have for a number of years. And it, it, it seems to me that um, the people who are in charge of curriculum in our public schools have lost their way in what education is supposed to be. And we have less emphasis on math and reading and science and history and more on social issues that, while maybe of interest, are not going to get you a, a job when you finish school. Um, do you see that that chasm between the two approaches getting even larger? Oh, it's it's. I mean, it's been large for a long time. I think all hundred years that we've had public school. 
um, it's been a problem because of the factory model of institutional education versus the idea of living together as a family and serving your community as your goal. You know, Mother Teresa said we were not made to be successful, we were made to be faithful. And we know through the scriptures, if you seek first the kingdom of God, everything else will be added unto you. And so putting those two things together, what we do primarily is teach our children to be faithful to the word of God, to their church, to their family, their community. And then it turns out if you do that, they have the work ethic and the curiosity and the interest that makes it so math's not so hard to teach. Language isn't so difficult. Um, but because we have it backwards in the school system, we have all these boxes that we check off and that's what we call an education. I've had 15 hours of this or 15 weeks of that with this expert teacher who doesn't care about anything else I'm doing, but wants to make sure this specific thing is uh, learned for a test. Um, we end up getting children who think in the factory model. I can only do what my widget says I'm supposed to do. And then we wonder why children aren't broad thinkers anymore and why our society's collapsing. The school system We've was designed having, uh, to teach us that way. Good. You. We've been having a preliminary conversation with uh, Lee Boyton's and uh, uh, of, of alternative education, uh, let's say, uh, and, and homeschooling. Uh, before we get to our break, real quick, how can people follow what you're doing and what your organization is like? If you go to classicalconversations.com and click on our Find a Community button and put in your zip code, an actual person will contact you and see if they can help you in any of your homeschooling endeavors. We have over 15,000 people across the United States helping us answer those requests. Amazing. We're going to be right back with Lee. Inflation for most people is causing them to use their credit cards to try and make up for income shortfalls. How big is this problem? In the second quarter of 2022, Americans added $46 billion to their credit card balances. Some of that could be you. The Federal Reserve Consumer Credit Report showed that the rate of interest on credit cards went from 14.56 to 16.65%. Those Americans struggling with credit card debt saw their delinquency rates escalate from 1.66% to 1.81%. The Cambridge Debt Consolidation Program may be able to help you reduce the interest rates by two-thirds and cut your time to pay off the debt from 30 years to as little as five years. If you're struggling and you want professional and objective help getting your credit house in order, then call 1-855-435-2066. Welcome back to our conversation, fascinating conversation with Lee Bortons of Classic Education. She's an expert in homeschooling and she says she doesn't want to bring the school home, which I think was fascinating. But I want to talk about now, I want to turn to results. There are people who are saying, right or wrong, you can certainly dis dispute it if you want, that don't believe in homeschooling because you don't have the resources to truly teach your children. And therefore, your children who graduate from your program and go into the public sector in high school or college are ill-prepared. What do you say? Well, I suspect that's true about any kind of um, organization. There's always people who do really well and others that don't do really well. But the statistics we have now actually say the opposite of what you just positioned, Dan. 
Um, if you go to what's called the National Home Education Research Institute.org, they have all the data you could possibly want on the results of homeschooled students. Um, and most people don't know that college admissions offices across the United States have private, have, uh, private uh, colleges, and particularly Christian colleges, have scholarship money meant specifically for homeschoolers. Uh, there's across the United States, there's Christian colleges that have scholarships specifically for classical conversation students. Uh, Erskine College in South Carolina, if you're in classical conversations for four of your six high school years, because we start in, uh, you know, when they're four, 13, um, they'll give you a full ride for four years. They just, they don't even need information about you. The fact that you went through classical conversations is enough for them. We also have a number of universities across the United States working with us now where they accreditate our current coursework for our high school students. And it is not dual enrollment. We, our students do not do their courses. These colleges accreditate our courses because they're so rigorous and what the students can accomplish at home in half a year that they call it actually um, concurrent enrollment, meaning that you're in classical conversations while you're in their college and they uh, give you credit for the courses you're taking with us. So people just don't know that the results of it have been very, very good. Um, you know, unless you hang out with a lot of homeschoolers who, who homeschooled the whole way through, you don't always meet that many that made it through the 12th grade. So um, the one thing that I like to challenge people though on those results is I'm very proud of them and I can defend them um, you know, more if you would like me to, but it's not the most important thing. What's more important is that through that uh, NHGRI data, we've proven our children are faithful, they're civic minded, they raise healthy families, they're employable. Those are the kind of things that are also interesting to us because we want our children to have both the academics and the life skills. But I'm also curious as more and more people turn to homeschooling as our public schools uh, diminish and their enrollment is plummeting, what if homeschooling becomes the hospital of education to the world? I would expect our results, our test results to decline if that's true. And yet what a really great thing that would be that so many people were joining us and trying to do something that the schools have been failing at doing for the last 60 years. Um, I had um, a fortunate life experience to have four sons. All four of them went through college, and all four of them graduated in four years. And all four of them went to private colleges, no state schools. So it was expensive putting them through school. But I recently saw uh, that the, the oversight board for colleges and universities is strongly beginning to talk about eliminating SAT scores from admissions. How do you feel about that? Well, you know, they began eliminating the SAT scores with COVID, right? Because kids couldn't go get tested. Um, I personally like testing. I think our children are up to it. Um, I think it's a life skill that's really good to practice. And I think it's one of many, many tools of self-assessment and your progress that you're attaining in your, ac in your academics as well as your life skills. Um, I, I think the SAT scores are a good thing to have from a university's perspective if they're getting so many students that there's no way the admissions people could get to know the children individually. But I did the same thing you did, our four sons, which is interesting, went to private colleges that we paid for. 
Um, and because they were private smaller colleges, they were able to really look at our children well before they were admitted and offered so much scholarship money, it was very surprising because they could get to know the child and they could you know, really do some true vetting. So, um, I mean, I've yet to meet a homeschooled student who could not go to the college they want to, unless they, of course, just didn't prepare at all, right? Like I said, there's always people who don't do things well. But in general, we're going where we want to go and people want us. So I'm not against SAT scores. I'm just against them as the only measure for progress of education. But do you, do you think um, you think that what's going on in our schools or public schools today is that um, uh, I wrote probably two decades ago an article for I was then writing for Entrepreneur Magazine. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got more response to this article than anything I wrote over the four or five years that I worked with them. And I talked about the cost of going to school and what happens to a child, especially when a child has a four-year program that he or she takes six years to complete, the amount of debt that they're going to have. This is 20 years ago I was writing about this. Is is punitive. But yet we have uh, students today are still taking six years to complete a four-year degree, piling up enormous amount of debt. And now they want the administration to waive the debt because it was too hard. Yeah. What value are they placing on the education? Well, they're placing the value on the education that they were trained to, to put onto it, right? That's what public school does now. It makes it so that you think, well, I, you know, I, if I behave in class, I get all A's and who cares if I learned anything? The teacher just has 30 kids in the classroom. It's too much to manage. They don't have a core curriculum anymore. So nobody's quite sure what, what they should teach when and where. And so now they go on to college and college of course is really poorly designed at this point with what I call the university model where children, 18, 19 year olds, pick their courses. Uh, that is antithetical to Christian education as well as to classical education. We know that the person who's leading the curriculum should know what is needed in order to accomplish something. So when you let children pick and choose different things, of course, it's going to take them longer to, to figure out what they want versus when they sign up for a curriculum like your son seemed to and mine where the, where the dean knows that, hey, this is what you need to take in order to accomplish what we've accredited and what we're saying we're going to accomplish, they do it. So uh, this model of the um, just, you know, the, the, the liberality in the wrong sense of that word of trying basket weaving and wokeism and feminism and all that has crept into the uh, actual curriculum that would put you on a, a straight and narrow kind of path. So, and then the other okay. reason why it's more expensive is because it's all, it's mostly government funded, right? Whenever the government pays for something, it hides the actual cost. And so now we're um, all aware of that at this point. And of course, people aren't smart enough about why that happens. So what are they doing? They're clamoring for more government money, whether it's forgiveness of debt or paying for uh, private schools for um, uh, you know, K to 12, without paying attention to the fact that the, why it's so bad out there is because the state was funding it in the first place. Mon money that you don't earn that's given to you hides true value. So we've got about three minutes left and I wanna to turn to uh, one more subject, and that is, as 
a person committed to education of children and grandchildren and and friends of of other other parents um what is your relationship with the the classic union elementary school or high school teacher i, I don't know what you mean by the classic union is it an organization or do you mean the union in the schools I'm saying is, are, are you coming under, have you come under over the years under significant criticism from people in the edu public education sector for what you're doing? Well, you know, that's all we've had is criticism in the 40 years I've been homeschooling my children until COVID happened and parents and teachers' eyes really started to open up. And now what's really interesting to me, Dan, is um, across the United States, every charter school, every private school, every Christian school is saying, well, we want to be a classical school. How do you go about doing that? Um, and so now they're listening and I'm able to get on interviews like this and talk about the fact that classical Christian education, homeschooling has been super successful and the world wants to know why and how they can replicate it. And the thing is, I don't have any magic. All I did was I read the books of um, how education was was uh, propagated during the medieval eras and during the Greek and Roman eras, just looking at the history of mankind. And then also the nature of children and the appropriateness of uh, what education is about. And we were able to recover or restore what a classical education really is. So um, do you find parents with their first time experience with a classical education as you do it, uh, reluctant? But they, sure, like they, they don't no know choice. what it is. You know, the Bible says you're known by your fruit. And most people join us because they look at these older homeschooled children and say, I want my kid to be like that. I don't know how to get there. Could you help me? And so we expect people, young parents of any um, persuasion or background, to not be very good at parenting because they're young at it. They're new at it. But if you homeschool with a friend, someone who's been a little more experienced, a mentor, that Titus II woman the Bible talks about, if you stick with it, you can become really good at it too. Just like playing the piano. Practice makes perfect. Yeah. Okay. We've had a, a wonderful conversation with Lee Borton. How do we follow you and how do people who are interested in alternative education for their children, how do they get in contact with you and your organization? So uh, again, go to classicalconversations.com and uh, we have all kinds of free resources there for parents to learn about what classical Christian education is, as well as, like I said, that um, homeschool with a friend where you put in your zip code and somebody will get a hold of you and see what we can do to help. Thank you. And I just want to ask one, you sure. to repeat one more comment you made. What is the size of your class, your classes? And where do you rank in terms of uh, if you were a school system? Yes, yeah, so we have almost 130,000 students this year in the United States alone, which puts us about the 20th largest school district in the United States. And if you multiply that 120,000 times $13,000, that is the cost of the average public school education, we're actually saving, Classical Conversations by itself is actually saving the government billions of dollars in taxes. Good for you. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you, Dan. We'll be right back.
Thank you for joining us today, and we'd like to hear your comments or questions. So go to bwradionetwork.com. That's bwradionetwork.com. And give us your questions or comments. And thanks for joining us today.